Well, church, if you've been with us for, for the past uh, few weeks, we have been going through um, a series of the providence of God. And the week before last, we spoke about God's love for all. Last week, Gabriel spoke about God's love particularly for us. And I'm going to be speaking this afternoon on casting our cares on the Father. This is something very, very close to my heart. Um, it isn't a subject that I say that I have mastered, but on my journey so far with the Lord, I've faced a, faced a few giants, um, and I've had to learn some valuable lessons. And I won't claim that all my giants have been as big as yours. I'm sure you've faced many, many a trial and, and many challenging times in your life where you've had to learn to cast those cares on your father. But through the scriptures today, I really pray that we can touch on and remind ourselves of the father's love for us. And then through the scriptures, we can see that how God, with his son Jesus, we can, we can bring a microscope to that relationship and we can see how he cares for his son and in turn how Christ cast all his cares upon his father on his journey and achieving his will. And we'll look at the Apostle Paul as well, how he faced some giants, and boy, did he face some giants. And through that, how he managed to cast his care on the Father and how he came through victorious in achieving all that Christ predestined him to do. And I pray that through that, that we will also be strengthened not only to remind ourselves of the love the Father has for us, but very importantly, to come away with some practical tools of when the cares of life come pressing down on us, how we too can remain steadfast and be victorious and achieve all that Christ has fulfilled us to achieve. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this afternoon. And we just lift this service up to you. Father, there are many cares and worries and fears and anxieties here this afternoon. And Father, we have need of you. But I pray that the revelation that we have through your son, Jesus Christ, and through the scriptures that we may be encouraged, that we may be strengthened and renew our minds to the truth that we are in you as you are in your Father. Father, meet each and every person at their point of need here, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. May our hearts be opened, our mind receptive to all that you want to speak to us. We cast all our cares upon you here this afternoon, Father, knowing that you care for us, and we leave them there at the foot of your cross. Come, Holy Spirit, move here this afternoon and have your way, and may we not leave the same. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Or church, in John 16, 33, Jesus tells us that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Luke 21, 26 says, Jesus said in the last days, people's hearts will be failing them for fear. Jesus is clearly telling us here that in this life, we will face trials and we will face challenges. But he says to us that I have overcome the world. And you know that we're not in the world. Although we're in the world, we are not of the world. So anything that's in the world that is pressing you down and that is suffocating you for not achieving all that Christ has predestined you to achieve, Jesus has already defeated. And through his shed blood, he has already paved the way for escape for you. Jesus has overcome the world. And as children in the world, we are victorious. If we turn with me to the core scripture of this afternoon, which is Luke twenty-two, twenty-nine. And it reads. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, which is thrown in the oven, how much more will we, he clothe us? O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and your right and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, church, there is a thing called natural fear, and we all face anxieties, we all face worries, but it's not that fear that I'm thinking of. Fear can actually be a good thing. It can, it, 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 it's, a, it's an emotion that God has given to us to, to warn us of things to come. But there's also an unhealthy fear, and there is a fear, and there is worry, and there's anxiety that we have in our life, which I believe is at the root of all our cares that the enemy can use to penetrate, to begin to suffocate you and bring you down to fulfill all that he wants you to fill in your life. So as I look over this sermon, what I'd like to do is firstly see how the relationship Jesus has with the Father, and then I want to look at Jesus and the Apostle Paul, and in particular, how we can, 
when we come into the presence of God, how all the things fall into their rightful place, how things are brought into their right position. In, as we look more intently at the, the Father himself, we see that in the Old Testament that he actually states that he was known as Elohim, he was no, known as Yahweh, he was known as their Jehovah, but he was never known as their father. And he didn't actually indwell in his people. He indwelt within the tabernacle, within the holies of holies. And he sent his only begotten son at that point to actually save us. He came to gather us as his sons and daughters, as his very own, that we would be his people. And it's through the life of Jesus and the relationship with his father how we can best learn the nature and complete love and trust that we have in him. John 3.16 states that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we should not perish. He came to save us. Jesus was actually the word made flesh, and he breathed and dwelt among us. He breathed and dwelt among his people. And when we gave our life to Christ, it's here that he breathes and dwells within us. And in him, we have full victory. All things are under our feet. But here in Hebrews 1.3, it states that Christ is upholding the universe by the word of his power. The Greek word translates upholding as pharaoh, which is to carry and to bear. Colossians 1.3 states that Jesus is continually carrying all things. Jesus is carrying, he is bearing all things. And 1.17 Colossians states in him, all things hold together. We know that his burden is light and we know that his yoke is easy. He's in complete control of every situation of our life. But as we read in the scripture, our core scripture, there's three key words that I picked out, and that's worry. He speaks of anxiety, but very importantly, he speaks of faith. Because it's by our faith that here, where the anxiety and the worry fall where it should. So, as we then look at the relationship Jesus has with his father. Jesus came to be an example and to show us what that looks like that we may learn from it. And in John 17, 22, it says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. And Jesus was sent in love and he emulates the father's love and he came to show us it. And he came to show us his care for us that in turn we would learn to follow Christ as he emulates the Father. And he says in John 15, 1, that I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Now the Greek word for husbandman also implies that he is protector, that he is our shield, he is our trainer, our educator and our caretaker. He is the one that cares for you. He states us that we should abide in him and all his promises that we have, we are to live in and he will take care of us. John 16, 32 says that Jesus was assured 
that no matter what, that he said that I am not alone. Jesus, no matter what he went through, he knew that he was not alone. And we are not alone no matter what we face, church, in this life, because the Father is with us. We have the Father with us, and Christ Jesus lives in us, and that power lives through us. It's when we get a full revelation of this church that I believe that that we filter the whole world and everything we go through through the Word of God. And throughout the Scriptures, we see that the Lord is continuously fixing his eyes on the Father. In 1 Peter, he says he casts all his care upon him, for he cares for you. In Philippians 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing. We cast his cares on him completely and wholly. So church, with this knowledge, I had had a time and a journey in my own life where I learned, because we understand here that the Father, we understand that the relationship with Christ there, and we can take strength from that. But that's good, but we all know that we will face such trials, so many things are thrown at us in life, but what are the practical ways that we can walk out of that? How's the practical ways that we can keep our eyes fixed on him and not let these cares and worries and anxieties, whatever they are, press us down? And I had a real revelation myself when I was young in the faith that really broke through for me. It isn't the biggest giant that I faced. It wasn't the biggest obstacle that I faced in my life, but it's a one that I gained most revelation that was to go on and really help me in many situations of my life. I was, a, I was a young soldier. I was in the military for 15 years, and there were some very, very challenging times there. There was the heat of battle, where things are not looking too good. The bullets are flying, and the, the bombs are dropping, and you're fighting, fight, facing life-or-death situations, and you've got no other option than to hand your life over to God and to completely and utterly trust in him. And this revelation that I'm about to show you now really helped me in those later years. And it was actually a fear of mine, which was heights. I was very fearful of heights. I don't know where it stems from, but a part of my military training was parachuting. And military parachuting is a lot more intense than, than just normal parachuting because we do it at night. We've got all our kit and equipment strapped to us. And we jump out the tailgate of the aircraft. And so you're faced with all the fears and the anxieties before you, head on. And I woke up one morning, and I don't know what it was, but something was just gripping me. And I prayed everything to the Father that the, 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 the day's training, the day's parachuting would be cancelled. And I said, Father, please, I pray that, just, just cancel everything. Just, just bring those clouds in. And like Elijah, he poured in the storms. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just bring those cloud cover. You'll bring the storms that, the, that this parachuting may be cancelled tomorrow. And I was optimistic that that would happen. And uh, I'd be, be relieved of not having to jump out the planes that day. But I woke up in the morning, 6 o'clock, ran to the curtains, pulled them back, and I've never seen a much more still and beautiful day before me. And my prayers weren't answered. 
And I knew God had a lot to teach me. But it's at that point, and I make light of it, but I was really, really fearful in that situation. I was very, very anxious, and it started to kill my joy. It started to kill everything about me, my countenance and, and, and around the guys. I was just, something, it was just oppressing me, and really, the cares were pressing me down. And I woke up and I said, Lord, this is not right. What is this? And I remember all I could do to give myself an ounce of, re- of relief was just to put my worship music on. And I was putting my worship music on. It was six o'clock in the morning. I don't think we actually had to turn two uh, until nine o'clock in the morning. So I had three hours to be left with stewing in this fear and anxiety and worry. And it was going over and over in my mind, and I was listening to my worship music, and I was reading my Bible, I was trying to draw every bit of strength from the Scriptures. And as I started to worship, and as I started to pray, things just started to loosen. I started to get a little bit more lighter, my countenance started to come back, and uh, I just felt a whole lot more relaxed, and I carried on worshipping. And I said, do you know what? I'm not feeling so nervous about these things. You know, I'm feeling a little bit more lighter and a little bit more optimistic of the day ahead and I went out to meet the guys for breakfast and um, everything was going well and I uh, thought hey guys yeah ready for a good day's parachuting yeah yeah fantastic putting a big brave face on things and I walked into the to the actual um, area where we have to pick up our parachutes and I was feeling really confident now I, th- I thought I'm really gaining the victory I reached over to grab my parachute and very nicely my troop commander said to me Chris don't pick up that parachute It's got malfunction written all over it. And as he said that, the fear just came back onto me and gripped me again. And I went to pick up another parachute. And then I went, something stopped me. And I went, no, 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 no. I grabbed that parachute and I laid my hands on it and said, Father, I thank you that any issues with this parachute, you'll dispatch your angels right now. You'll fix it. You'll sort it. I thank you for the promises you've spoken over my life. I lifted up the parachute, I buckled it on, and we walked off to the drop zone. And I felt good. My feet were still on the ground. Fantastic. I got into the aircraft, and we started to ascend, 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 up to about 10,000 feet, 11, 12, 13. We got to 15,000 feet. The air is getting a little bit thinner. It's getting harder to breathe. The noise of the engines, the tailgate comes down at the back of the aircraft, and you, you're faced with a full of what you've got to go and jump down into. It was my turn. The first stick, I think I was third stick at the time, the first stick went and jumped out and there was a big delay. And then because it's so noisy in the aircraft, the dispatcher came back with a sign saying, "Um, missing parachutist. And I was like, okay, there's been some trouble in the air and you can't find one of the guys. Something's happened in the air. And There was a big delay, maybe 20 minutes, 20 more minutes for me to stew and to think about the parachuting, and I waited in the aircraft. Eventually, the sign came back and said, parachute is found, no problems, next stick, dispatch. Next stick went up, went out. A sign came back again, missing parachutist. Another 20 minutes in the air. Now, these parachutes have got something like a a, a one in a 100,000 failure, or I believe it's 10,000, actually, 100,000, a bit of exaggeration. One in 10,000 failure. So it only should have one malfunction, one in 10,000. But we just had two in the space of about 16 men. So this was playing over my heart again. And then it came up to my turn 
to eventually they found the parachutist, parachutist found, all good. Came up to my turn to jump. And we're all lined up, hooking up. I was looking out the back of the tailgate, and you just see 15,000 feet, you're above the cloud base, it's, it's hard to breathe, it's very hot up there. And my legs started to shake, I started to look, I started to speak the scriptures over my life that God has spoken to me, I started to gain that victory that I had early on in the morning. And then just fear was gripping me, I just couldn't get a control of it, and God said to me very firmly, he said, Chris, now sit down. And be still and know that I am God. He was very firm with me at that time. But as he spoke those words, I wasn't stood up at the time, but the seat I stumbled back into and sat down. So I got my composure for a little bit. And then eventually I came to the point where I prayed. I said, Lord, I pray that I'll just jump into your arms. I just had to visualize that I was jumping out that airplane into God's arms. And as I jumped, eventually my canopy opened. It was good. I got my global positioning system to get my track, to get myself to target that we were aiming for. And then I started to sing. And all that came to my heart was Fred Hammond's song, Lord, your grace is covering me like a soft summer shower, raining down on me goodness and mercy. And I just felt the small voice speak to me in my heart and say, now you sing. But that was a really lesson to me that was really to help me because I learned that the victory is in Christ. And as we renew our mind with his word and with his truths, our fears and anxieties, whatever we're facing, get pulled down into their rightful place. And I don't know what fears you're facing, what cares you hold, but we know one thing, that when we're in Christ, they all be made small. Amen. So our job is to obey, and it is God's, it's in God's hands that he deals with the outcome. So we obey, and he deals with the outcome. But as we've seen, we must fight the good fight of faith. We must actively cast our care on the Father, and we must actively rise up, run our race, and use the authority that Christ has given us to cast down these strongholds to break the shackles that are trying to hinder us and hampering us from fulfilling what God's wanting us to do. And we see in Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I have given you all authority to tread on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. And we know in Acts 1, 8, it says, We have received that power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and when we gave our lives to Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what lives in us. The Father of love lives in us, and our place to victory is, lives inside us. And it's just activating that and entering into that. So, let's look at Jesus. Let's see how he actually emulated this in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we read in the scripture in Matthew 26, 38. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And then he went a little farther and fell on his face. And he prayed saying, oh my father, 
If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, but your will be done. And we know the story there that Jesus was, was, was bleeding blood. And it wasn't the absence of worry or anxiety or fear in, in Jesus' life there. It was that he fixed his eyes on the will of his Father. He wholly trusted in God that he would bring about all things because he knew the love of the Father. He knew the will that he had for him. And no matter what he was facing, and he knew what he was going to go through, that his father would raise him up and his father would care for him. So we will face trials and we will face worries, but the answer in the midst of that is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep our eyes fixed on the promises that have been spoken over our life. We must trust wholeheartedly in the Father. And also we read with, with the Apostle Paul in Acts 27 and 22 to 25. And amidst the great storm, and we know the story very well, but there's something I really pick out with the Apostle Paul here, a man of great courage and a man of great faith. And he said, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that I will be just as it was told me today in this 14th day. Sorry. And he said, I know that it's what has been told me today. But then it goes on further on. And in the midst of this great storm, in the midst of this great fears that Apostle Paul was facing, he says, today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment. For this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And I just think this is incredible. The Apostle Paul, if faced with, with, with the storms of life, literally the, the, the storms breaking over the vessel and threatening to shipwreck him, he was facing a life or death situation. But how he kept his eyes focuses, focused on the promises of God. And in the midst of that, even had time to break bread and to thank God. He was a beacon of light and a pillar of strength, not only for himself to get through, but for all of those around him. His father cared for him. Paul was seeking first the kingdom of God, and he knew that no matter what he faced, Christ had already paved the way of escape for him. Paul's faith and assurance was incredible. And I think we can really take lessons from that church that 
although whatever we're facing, no matter how tough it is, if we renew our minds every day, if we meditate upon that word, if we speak the promises of God over our lives, he is a sovereign God who will work all things together for our good. But we must lift those cares up onto him and we must leave them there with him. Do you know, I learned some, when I was studying my, the, the, the Bible, I learned some incredible lessons how to practically carry this out that I pray would be a blessing to you as well. And I want to look at the story of Dagon in 1 Samuel 5. And this really helped me in my journey to how to gain breakthrough. And no matter what the storms of life were throwing at you, what we need to do, what practical steps we need to do to help us to walk in that victory. And 1 Samuel 5 says, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it before Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any of those who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. And the key points that I see there, church, is number one, what the enemy tries to do to us and what he wants to do to you. He wants to capture you. He wants to isolate you. He wants to contain you, and he wants you to close you down. He wants you to focus on yourself, and he wants you to render you an incapacitated soldier on the battlefield of life. But what I find incredible is when you bring anything, and this is a key, church, through our fears, through our trials, through the storms of life, whenever we bring anything into the presence of God, it falls where it belongs, in its rightful place, and that's on its face. The other great thing that I learn is through Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 23. Again, the same principle applies. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Again, what I see here, Paul and Silas were in full flow of their ministry. You know the stories of Apostle Paul. He was preaching the word. He was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. And immediately, what does the enemy want to do? He came and captured them through those men. They brought them into 
captivity. He isolated them and he shackled them. But again, Paul, with his faith and with his courage with Silas, they weren't contained and they didn't let their circumstances affect them. They didn't let it dictate them. They didn't sit back passively, but they again rose up. They fixed their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, and they praised, and they prayed. And as they did that, the shackles were broken loose, and they were set free. Now, God in turn used all that. He already planned and ordained all that because he's sovereign. But he used that example for us and that story as another key to what we have to do when we're facing the cares of life. One, we bring everything into the presence of God. And in the midst of that, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're going through, as tough as it is, we praise and we pray and we fix our eyes on him. Amen. Amen. The enemy wants to immobilize you. He wants you to focus on yourselves. And he wants you then, in turn, to pull others down with you. But when we put our cares in the hands of God, and when we come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving, when we stand on his promises and on his word and we live in faith, because ultimately to do that is by faith and faith is now, faith is active, his word is living and his word is breathing, it's sharper than any double-edged sword and it will cut and divide and pierce all that is not of God in your life. So church, I want to ask you this morning, this afternoon, where are you getting isolated? Where is, where is the enemy trying to capture you? Or, or, or many times it's not the enemy. We put so many things on the enemy, but a lot of times it's not. It's our own unbelief. It's our own doubt. It's our own lack of faith that we contain ourselves. And the enemy just used that as a, a, as a foothold into our life to take advantage of it and to bind us further and to bring us down further. But if you're going to live in, and we're to live in the fullness of all that God has got us, and if God wants to achieve fully all that he's predestined this church to do, then we all have to be in the place of victory, and we all have to be doing our part individually as a part of the whole. Amen? So fix your eyes on God, church. Don't allow the circumstances or situations, as tough as they are, to affect you. Don't let the enemy to steal your joy. So finally, as I close, there's points, church, that I see from the lessons of Dagon that I think we can learn some valuable lessons in. I find it very interesting, and we see that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He fixed his eyes on God. He knew the will the Father had for him. And with the strength and the faith that he had through prayer and supplication, he remained steadfast no matter all that he went through to achieve his aim. Paul, on the, at the same time, in the same breath, he, he focused, on, focused on Jesus. 
He heard the word of what the angels spoke to him. And many of you have had words spoken to you that you need to hold on to, like an anchor unto your soul. And myself, when I experienced, when I was facing anxiety in my life, I learned early on God was teaching me to worship, to focus my eyes on him and to pray. Not look through the eye of the natural, but look through the eye of the spirit, the eye of faith. And with Dagon, when it fell down fat before his face, before the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelled, I find it interesting that the palm of his hands and it was as if his head that came off. And when I look at that, I see that in our soul, which is our mind, are our emotions. And it's these emotions sometimes that can run wild and start to dictate and dominate us. They become louder than the word of God in our lives. Our ears are in our head. And we've got to be careful to what we put our ears to. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. But in so light vein, the enemy knows where to start stealing your joy and hindering your faith. Careful where we put our ears to. Control our emotions, our eyes. Jesus and Paul fixed their eyes on their father and not on their circumstances and their situations. They didn't focus on the storm. They focused on Christ and the will that he had for them. They felt it, but they were not swayed by it. And a big one that I see, church, is in our soul, in our mind, in our head is our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect. So our will. We must follow the will that the Father has for us in our life. We've got to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. And we've got to stop from taking our own path. We've got to submit and we've got to obey. We've got to build our life in the kingdom on gold, silver and bronze, not on hay, stubble and straw. Because if we go our own way, we're destined for doom. And here is where a lot of our fear, worry and anxiety will stem from. It's when we follow our own path. So we've got to fix ourselves in our spirit. We've got to meditate on that word day and night and fix our eyes with the eye of faith onto the things that God has on us. Not being swayed by the things of the world that surround us every single day. Keep our eyes close to it. Lord, deafen our ears and blind our eyes to all the evil that is out there. I find it interesting with the hands. His hands were cut off. And I said to me, don't put your hands to anything that is not of God. Abraham, we see, in waiting for the promises of God to come about, he took things into his own hand and he birthed an Ishmael. And how much anxiety and worry and fear did that bring into their life? Don't put your things to the things that are not of God. Also, that is a foothold for the enemy to get into your life. But also a thought, whatever we meditate on, whatever we think upon, will eventually turn into an action. So we've got to control our thoughts. The Bible says take every thought captive that is contrary to the word of God. And then our actions will also flow 
accordingly. Matthew 13, 22, speaking about the seeds that are cast. And he says, some come, the cares of life, come and suffocate that seed from germinating and blossoming. Don't allow that seed to be suffocated. And in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline, or of a sound mind, some versions say. So that power, we've already said, you've got Acts 1.8, the day of Pentecost, you've received that power. And life or death are in the power of the tongue. And sometimes Christ has given you all authority, rule and reign, over all things, through him. We cannot all be passive and sit back and say, oh God, you do it. I'm casting my care on you, Father, you do it. And we just sit back passively. We cannot be passive Christians. He has given you all authority unto the things of the enemy. And whatsoever you say unto this mountain, be thy removed and be cast in the sea and believe in your heart and shall not doubt, it shall be established for you. So sometimes we've got to rise up and speak unto those things. I remember a time in my life, completely oppressed, I was struggling, I was pressing into the things of God. God had set before me a task in the military that I knew that I had to do and I just felt wave and wave of, 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 of negativity come. Everything was thrown against me and it was beginning to press me down. And I got so tired of being tired, of sleepless nights, of anxiety, worry. I woke up one morning and I said, I tell you what, in the name of Jesus. And I started to speak unto that thing and I felt in the realm of the spirit, Bang, just like that, something go. Something was broken off me. The oppression was lifted. Sometimes we've just got to rise up, church, and we've got to take authority and speak unto that thing. Amen? Love. Walk in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The primary law in the kingdom is love. When we're walking in love, it's then that the enemy won't get a foothold in our life. Self-discipline and a sound mind. It takes discipline to stay in faith, to keep your eyes fixed on God. It says fight the good fight of faith. So we've got to fight there. We've got to anchor our souls to our spirit and every day allow that spirit and the word and the truths of God renew our minds. And when that's in our minds, our actions will follow suit. So safe discipline. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your ears to the things of him. Keep your hands to the plow of building the kingdom. Because if we're busy plowing the kingdom and working towards the kingdom, we haven't got idle hands that the enemy's going to use. We're putting it towards the kingdom. We're keeping our eyes fixed on him. Amen? Amen. But church, make sure we cast our cares on him. Fix our eyes on him and leave them there. Don't be tempted to dig them back up. Leave them. At the cross. Amen. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares on the Father, for he cares for you. Your Father cares for you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Don't be deceived, church. Trials and storms will come, but we're not to be focused on them or swayed by them. We can see the circumstances and situations. We can see the storms, but like Paul he broke bread and gave glory to God in the midst of it. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, fixed his eyes on his Father and the will that he had for his life. 
We are rooted and grounded in him. Church, when we do this, Psalm 1 says, meditate on the word day and night, and you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Christ died that we may live and that we may live an abundant life. He set the captives free. He took all those cares and worries on the cross. But by faith, we just have to step into them. Amen. And this is what I speak over your lives, church, as you follow those principles. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of your Lord, your God, forever. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a round of applause. Come on. Give him all the glory. Give him all the glory. Lift up our hands to the risen Savior, church. We are risen in Christ Jesus. Come on. Cast your cares on him, church, for he cares for you. Amen? God bless you, church. Hand you back over to Gabe.